0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Okay, so we were discussing, um, discussing this thorny issue of negotiating with terrorists for hostages. And if just to remind ourselves, there, there's a Mishnah, and the Mishnah says you're not allowed to redeem a captive for more than they're worth. Then the Gemara said, well, the Gemara wants to know what was the reason for it? Is it because we don't want to place too much of a pressure on the community because it's just going to be exorbitant every time someone's taken captive? Or is it because we don't want to incentivize the, um, the terrorists or whatever for doing it in the future? And the Gumara then wanted to prove it from someone called Levi Baudarga who redeemed his daughter for more than she was worth. And the implication was that because he prayed for it in private, it was his own money, it wasn't a drain on communal funds, there was no concern of overpaying. However, the Gemara countered by saying that, um, who says that he acted properly? Who said that, um, who says that this Levi Bardarca acted with the sanction of the Chachamim, of the sages, and maybe he just, uh, he was a rich man, did what he wanted anyway. And the Gemara doesn't give any other resolution to the issue. So that's kind of a cryptic Gemara on on this. And the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch go with the second reason, that the concern is that is going to encourage terrorists to take hostages in the future. So we don't want to incentivize bad behavior. We don't want to incentivize evil acts. And by driving the price to the ground, um, you've, you've essentially done that. And you see, um, you see now even the, um, you know, that Hamas knew exactly what they were doing. They know how much we value life. And they realize they have these incredible bargaining chips by taking as many hostages as possible. And you see even now all the, prote- all the protests that are really um, causing a division in the country, was which is exactly what they're seeking to do. Um, now, so you should just say, fine, we never negotiate with terrorists, and so we're, um, we're never going to redeem hostages. Um, we saw the, issue, the, uh, the story of Rabbi Hoshua ben Hananiah. He redeems a child from the Romans. He thought the child was an exceptional child. He had ended up becoming Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha. And was asked, how was he allowed to do it? And there are essentially three different answers. Number one, he realized his child will become something exceptional. He's a Muflag B'chachma. He will become an exceptional sage in society. He needs such people and therefore it's worth um, paying exorbitant amounts or, just, or, or, just, or even uh, just running the risk of, of exorbitant uh, amounts in the future for such a child. Number two, it was the time of, uh, of the Chorban Habayas. There was such chaos anyway that normal rules didn't apply because they could just take whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted um, so, those rules didn't apply. And number three, there was an imminent danger to the child, and therefore you're allowed to pay for more than the child was worth. You look puzzled. Are you sure there's an imminent danger to everybody? Not always. Not always. Not um, likely. Especially women. It depends why the person's being taken hostage or kidnapped, and who they have being taken hostage or kidnapped by. Okay? It might always be the case, it might not be the case. Okay? The Ramban rejects the answer that it was permissible because of imminent danger, because of exactly of what you're saying. The Ramban says every hostage is in imminent danger, okay, um, or it involves some kind of danger. And therefore, the fact that Chazal says you don't pay, Chazal say you don't pay more than uh, the growing value, you don't, uh, don't pay exorbitant amounts, means we don't take danger into account because every hostage is in danger. right? So the Ramban goes that way. The Shulchan Aruch says that you can spend extra money to redeem someone who's going to become an exceptional member of society. Someone that's a muflag b'chachma, the gone to be a great sage, this is what we need. Um, And therefore you can break the rules for that. Now, what about this? Let's move on a little bit. Um, This was unfortunately very commonplace in the time of Chazal. Um, and, And it's heartbreaking either way. A wife gets captured. The husband has a responsibility, as far as the qba is concerned, to redeem his wife. That's part of, the, part of the what you sign up to when you sign on the dotted line of Kisuba, is to redeem your wife. And the Chachamim have the opinion that you have to pay up to ten times her value. To redeem her, that's, it's an absolute obligation to do whatever you can to get her out. Shim Gamliel says, no, you pay her value and that's it. How do you, how do you assess the value? You, um, you, could, you could assess what's the value, what's the value of uh, human trafficking. Everything's got a price. Everything has a price. So, uh, human tra- you, Of course, you can never put a price on a human life, but on the market, every everything has a market price. How much you sell a person for? How would you value a wife? It's not a wife. So, what's her what's value as, as on the slave market, for example? When they were selling people left, right, and center, what would they sell? How would they sell people? <laughs> what would they sell people for? Um, so, the. Um, so the Rambam, when the Rambam codifies this Gemara, the Rambam says, no, you don't have to spend more than the going rate for your wife. Um, and it seems to go with Rabbi shim Rabbi, um, Rabbi Gamliel. The Pani Yehoi okay, says that you're not obligated to, but if you want to, you can. Okay, if you feel like, yeah, she's going to kill me if I don't get her out. Okay, if you want to, you can, you can pay more. Okay, and this becomes very important. Because of Sha'al Yisraeli, who was one of the Rosh Yeshivah of Merkaz Harav, says, why is it that according to the Pnei Yehoshua, if you want, you can spend more than um, the, the, the going value. You can pay all your money to get, to get your wife out. Why is that? More than that. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to your wife more than other, any other person. So he takes that idea and goes further. He says, because, just like a husband is responsible for his wife's welfare, you can also make the case that um, the Jewish people, as represented by the Israeli army, have um, have this same responsibility towards the military, and therefore you can redeem soldiers, even where there is a concern you're going to incentivize in the future. Right? Ah, it's true. You know, the, uh, the Gilad Shalit case, in which... Uh, Certainly, LP Teva has caused a lot of the trouble that we're in now with Sinwar and whatever else. And and Hamas realizing they can get over a thousand Israelis for every every hostage. Nonetheless, says Roshal Yisraeli, because you have a responsibility to your soldiers, and uh, I guess by extension to your civilians, that's part of the duty of care of a state. And therefore, there is justification for paying over the odds, even if you're going to incentivize for the future. Okay, you can make such an argument. Okay, but the question is this. Everything we've said until now is um, is talking in peacetime, apart from this last comment. What happens in war? Does war complicate factors or not? Does war make things different? Or do the rules not apply? Okay, so for example, um, why would you want to, let's say you've got, you've got a hostage or a prisoner of war taken at wartime, right? especially with a, with a, you know, fighting against an enemy that does not necessarily honour the rules of the Geneva Convention. So why would you want to get your, your, your soldiers or your hostages out? To stop them coming to harm. Right, p'kwach Okay, it's p'kwach This hostage right now, the hostage is in the most vulnerable situation possible, and therefore we have to do whatever we can to get them out. What would be the counter-argument to that? Um, what, is, what happens when, when, you, when you wage war by definition um, every war assumes there will be casualties you can't say "Well, we can't go to war because it's pikuach nefesh for the soldiers we have to save the soldiers lives and therefore we can't go to war because a soldier on the battlefield might get killed war assumes by its very nature there are going to be casualties on the battlefield and therefore once you're in a situation of war the rules of pikuach nefesh are different as well from, from people coming to harm One, once you're at war, you're at war. War assumes there's going to be casualties. It doesn't necessarily assume that there'll be hostages taken. Um, yeah, it does. Prisoners of war. Prisoners of war. Okay, even if you go with it... Let's, go, let's take our hostage case. Let's, let's divorce it from our current situation. You go to, you go to war against uh, whichever hostile entity you have on the, uh, on the borders... There are loads of risks there. One risk is your soldiers are going to get killed. Another risk is they're going to get uh, taken prisoner of war. That's part of the risk you take when you go to war, is you know there will be X percentage of casualties. Obviously you try and minimize it, it's about making more casualties on their side than your side. But, war by its very nature, assumes there will be casualties of war. Included in casualties of war means there's going to be concerns of Pekor as well. And so, therefore says the Min Chinuch, don't make this claim of Pikuach Nefesh for the hostages uh, at wartime, because every war assumes that. Okay, war takes precedence over the rules of Pikuach Nefesh. Now, it was a very um, important case. The Dawson's Fields are hijacking. Okay, which is in the, 1970. There's a TWA flight and it gets, um, it gets captured by Palestinian terrorists and landed on an airfield in a um, it lands on an airfield in Jordan. And It lands on an air... So in 1970, there was a, a hijacking. It lands on an airfield in Jordan. Um. What happened was that, excuse me. What happened was that there was a great rabbi on this flight, and the great rabbi was called Rav Yitzhak Hutner, and Rav Yitzhak Hutner was taken captive, and the um, the students in the, of Rav Hutner in America wanted to know: Can we redeem our rabbi for a lot of money? Based on what we've learnt so far, what would we say? Based on what we've learnt so far, what would we say? What? Yes. Why? Because we said, Muflag B'chakma, Rav Hutner was one of the greatest rabbis of the generation. We pay, and we pay a premium, just like Rabbi Ishmael Ben Alisha, who was in Rome, and he was redeemed. We pay a, pre- we pay a premium for people who are um, of exceptional value to society. Okay, so they couldn't ask Rafutna because he was on, a, uh, on an airstrip in Jordan. Um, so they asked of Yaakov Kamenetsky, who was one of the senior rabbis in America at the time. Okay, um, he said something very interesting. Yes, you're right, he says to them. You can redeem someone who is a muflag b'chachma, someone that is of exceptional um, value in that way. But, 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 remember this, we're at war. And he saw 1970, although I didn't know about the 1973 war yet, he saw the Palest- Palestinian War of Attrition, as it was known, between 67 and 73, as just being an extension of the War of Independence of 1948, and said, we are at war. And therefore, this whole discussion of redeeming someone that's of exceptional value does not apply during wartime, because what are you doing by giving them a million dollars? You're supporting the war efforts of the enemy, and you can't do that. You can't aid and abet the enemy by doing this. And therefore, you were not able to, you're not allowed to do anything which will strengthen the hands of your enemy during wartime. And therefore, they did not redeem um, Rav Yaakov, uh, Rav Yitzhak, couldn't. In the end, uh, you can look it up, and then yeah, there's a successful rescue attempt. Anyway, um, etc. Okay, and Baruch Hashem, he survived. So, essentially, what happens now is that releasing terrorists would basically be, um, be considered strengthening the hands of the enemy. Were we to do this now? While we're at war? You can't do that. Um, There's another issue as well. Okay, so... um, You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com